Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. This morning is a continuation of last week. If you missed last week, I really want to encourage all of you to go back, if you missed, and watch last week's message, because it talks about what do you do when God doesn't fix it, because sometimes God doesn't fix it. Sometimes not everything gets fixed. What do you do then? Because your ability to deal with the dead dreams is greatly determined by your willingness to step into the new dreams. Because if you don't deal with the dead dreams, your new dreams are going to be dysfunctional. And so if you don't, if you missed last week, I'm telling you, watch it online, download the podcast, but check it out because it is crucial for you to continue and step into this week. But this week, I want to talk to you about digging and heifers. Digging and heifers, and I think I can pull this one off. Um, this one is going to be a little bit harder for me, but I, I think we can pull this off. Um, our, our, our text this morning is coming out of the book of Zechariah, Zechariah, and a lot of us, maybe we've never heard of the book of Zechariah. Most of us probably haven't read the book of Zechariah, so I want to set it up and let you know historically what's going on, what's occurring when we take our scripture so that we don't take it out of context, what's happening. So Zechariah, a lot of us know that Jerusalem was conquered by the Babylonian empire. And in Zechariah, the, the Jews are actually coming back from Babylonia and, and they're coming back to rebuild Jerusalem. Jerusalem is in rubbles. And so they have been captive to the Babylonian empire. They have been slaves. They were kidnapped. They were taken. And so Zechariah and a bunch of Jewish people are coming back to rebuild Jerusalem. Um, Nehemiah is all about rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. If you've ever read Nehemiah, it's a great, great book. Rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. And Zechariah is really the point we're talking about is about rebuilding the temple of God in Jerusalem. And so Zechariah is there. Um, there's a guy named Zerubbabel uh, in, 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 in the context of, the, of the, the scriptures. And Zerubbabel, you say it five times, Zerubbabel is, a, is the guy that has been given the task of rebuilding the temple, of being in charge of building the temple. And if you knew anything about the temple back in the Old Testament, the temple that Solomon built was incredible. I mean, it was ornate, it was beautiful, it was huge, it was expansive, it was the pride of Jerusalem. I mean, it was like a point where the Jews took pride in the temple that Solomon had built. The problem is that the Babylonians destroyed the temple. All the things that made it beautiful, they stole and put in their treasury, 
and they destroyed the temple. It, it is rubble. And so Zerubbabel is in charge of building it, of coming up with the blueprints and building it and, and rebuilding the temple. <clears throat> and as he rolls out the blueprints, the Jews hear about the temple that they're building, and a lot of the older Jews get disheartened, get discouraged because the temple is not going to be near as big or as beautiful. And they're upset, and they don't want to get involved, and they don't want to get started because if it's not going to be as big and as beautiful as it used to be, then why even do it? And this is where we get a scripture out of Zechariah that many of you have heard about, but you didn't know the context of where it's coming out of. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 says this, Zechariah is speaking to the Jewish people and he says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Everybody say begin. Begin. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. There are two phases to me, actually a lot more phases, but two phases that we really recognize of a dream as we're in this series, Dream On. There is the inception, the birth of the dream, where it is birthed into your soul, it's birthed into your mind, and you have the idea, the aha moment, like, I'm gonna do this. This is what God is calling me to do with my life. He's calling me to do this with my family. This is what I think my marriage is gonna be. This is how my kids are gonna turn out. We have dreams for our life. We have dreams for our career. We have dreams for our finances. We have dreams. There's the inception of the dream, and then there is the fulfillment of the dream. And man, those, those are, are huge distances away from each other. So how do you get from the inception, from the birth of the dream, to the fulfillment of the dream? Because getting, closing this gap, that's where it's at, Right? We know how to dream, and we love when dreams come true, but what do you do with this moment here, this whole area? And this is what I want us to talk about, because a lot of us, we're just like the Jewish people. We're disheartened in this place. We thought life was going to look like this, but it looks like that. We thought our relationships were going to look like this, but they look like this instead. We thought our finances would look like this, but our health would look like this, but instead we're dealing with that. What do you do when the dream has been birthed and you know what it looks like when it's fulfilled? How do you get there? The first thing I would tell you this morning, and it's right with our text, is stop dismissing your beginning. Stop dismissing your Beginning, the verse once again, Zechariah 4.10, do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord delights to see the work begin. He's taking delight and you just stepping, taking the first step. Can I, can I mm, let, me, let me be nice for just a second. Um, there, there's... So much of our culture is consumed with being discovered instead of being developed. And what has happened is we have let that leak in the church that we are not willing to take the first step in the dream unless we're guaranteed it's going to be a big dream, if it's going to be a big thing. And we're waiting for a cheering crowd and this many likes on social media and these people to say, yes, yes, yes. But can I tell you, that's not how a dream works, especially a God birth dream. And some of us, we are waiting for our cheering section to be obedient. We're waiting for people to approve of us in order to be 
obedient of what the Lord is asking of us. And we're waiting to make sure, well, is this going to really turn out? Because we're in love with the final production of the dream, but we're not sure if we're going to begin it because it may not be big enough. I got to tell you, as your pastor, as I've grown older, it is my conviction and just the truth of the way that the Lord works is that we've got to be more concerned about the right dream instead of the big dream. Let me repeat that because it's really good. (laughs) Some of you, you've got to be more concerned about the right dream instead of the big dream. It's being consumed with, man, I'm going to go after the right thing that God is asking me instead of the big thing that my ego wants. Because if you will do the right things, that's the moment you can leave all the results to the Lord. That's his job. How it's going to happen, your job is just to go after what God is asking you to do. But many of us, we don't want to go after what God is asking us to do because it seems so small and insignificant. But I thought the Lord was going to do this. Who says he's not going to do this? But in order for him to do this, you've got to be obedient to this. Right? This is not going to happen if you're not willing to start in the small thing. Well, but, and we dismiss, well, it's not that big of a deal. It's a big deal because delayed obedience is still disobedience. Right? My little puppy is good when he comes at the first, come here. Right? Like when, when I have to yell at 50 times, he's not a good dog. And I think God is teaching me so much through a puppy. It's stupid. He's like, hmm, Justin, that dog sure is familiar to somebody I know. If you would just follow when I ask, it would be so much smoother and so much easier. But we want to take only the steps that are guaranteed, but that's not how life works. That's not how this whole Jesus following thing works. Don't despise Small beginnings. Don't despise, despise the small thing that God is asking you to do. The Lord delights in just seeing you being willing to let the work begin, to just take the first step, to just engage in mingle time, right? So the mingle time can become magic time someday later. <laughs> but if you're not willing to take the first step in what seems insignificant, you won't stay obedient when everything is significant. If you're not obedient in the small, trust me, you won't be obedient in the big. Don't despise small beginnings. Um, the other day, well, two, a few months ago, eight months ago, um, I, I, I needed... <laughs> a French drain at my house. On the north side of my house, it just stayed wet, just stayed wet. Now, I have already made known my inability to do anything handy. So I did not have the ability to do this. And I was talking to one of my buddies, Adam Crisp. He's like, I know how to do that. And I'm like, okay. He's like, let's do it. We'll save you a bunch of money. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Sounds great. And he tells me everything we're going to need. I'm like, yes, we're going to do this. And I'm one of those people, I get excited about a project, right? You're buying all the stuff, you're getting it, and you're like, this is how it's going to turn out, and you know what it's going to do and how it's going to fix your problem, and everything's going to look good. And we went to Home Depot, we bought all the stuff, and we start the project. I'm like, Adam, how long is this going to take? He's like, probably like three to four hours. I'm like, oh, I can do that. I can do three to four hours, right? 
And we get going, and um, we start using this pickaxe. There's a better name for it, but I'm going to call it a pickaxe today. We start using this pickaxe and shovels, and we start digging. And the problem is, Adam gave me a measurement, like deep, dig two feet deep or whatever he said. Um, and I'm like, okay. And telling me that is like asking me to do algebra in my head. I'm like, I'm just going to dig until it looks good, right? Uh, that's around about right. And so here's what would happen. I'd dig too deep. I'd dig too, too shallow. Dig too deep. Dig too shallow. And then as we're digging and we're going through it, and I'm going, and bam, rocks, rocks everywhere. Rocks everywhere. Four hours later, we are halfway done. The sun is out. Adam has to take a, a work phone call. I'm like, sure. Do what's good for your family and not mine. Um, I'm out there for two hours by myself. I'm sweating. I'm hungry. At this point, I realize my calling is not to manual labor. Thank you, Lord. Um, And I got to tell you, I wanted to quit. I was like, hey, let's just, let's just. Let, we'll, we'll do it another day, right? <laughs> like, men, we have started, pro- there's a reason cars are on cement blocks. It's not because it is a project currently being a project. It's because that was a project two years ago that you never got back around to, right? Some of you are like, your wife is stabbing you in the ribs right now because you've got projects that are done. We're like, oh, I'll get, I'll get to it later. I was tired. I didn't want to be out there. I was in the middle of this thing, and I was done. I was like, God, why have you forsaken me? I all of a sudden know what Jesus felt like on the cross. You know, I mean, I am way exaggerating, overblowing stuff, and I'm pretty sure like, yeah, that's exactly what it was, Justin. Idiot, you know, um, And here's why I'm telling you this story is that you and I, man, dreams at the beginning, I'm one of those, I get excited about it, and I get excited about the ending, and then you've got all this. It's the middle. It's the middle. I was in the middle of the French drain. And can I tell you, if your dream is going to come to fulfillment, you got to own the middle. You got to own the middle. Somebody the other day invited me, and this really was the other day, somebody invited me over and um, we were talking and they said, hey, Justin, do you want an Oreo? Duh. I was like, okay, I'll I'll have an Oreo. And they brought out something called an Oreo Thin. (laughs) That ain't an Oreo. I'm just telling you, if, you, if, if you're going to invite me over for some Oreos, this right here is blasphemy. This is a travesty. I mean, this is like Ichabod was written on the doorpost of their house. I was like, that is not an Oreo. I was like, hey, and I, I ate it. And I was like, mm, this is, uh, yeah, it tastes just, no, it doesn't. It doesn't taste anything like it. Can I tell you, this is an Oreo. That's a double stuff, or I look for the mega stuff. Look, this thing fits in the middle of that. Like, get that out of here. That's not an Oreo. The middle, the cream filling, this thing right here, you twist it up. That's what makes an Oreo an Oreo, that cream center, right? Like, give that to me more. Like, boom, Donnell Dyer and John Dyer changed my life when they introduced me to mega stuff Oreos. I'm like, woo-hoo. Um, 
So good. This is what makes, can I tell you, the middle part of your life is where your significance will come from. Man, the middle part of your dream, when you feel like quitting, that's where your significance will come from. That's when the dream's going to either stay a dream or it's going to become a reality. It is your meantime moment. You know what meantime means? I love this. Meantime simply means the time or period between events. The time or period between events. When we were going for that French strain, I was in the meantime moment for the most of it. And there came a time where I was hot, I got sweaty. I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was feeling pitiful for myself. And you know what? I had to put my big boy pants on and I had to do what I didn't want to do. I had to keep on digging. Right? And there's some of you, that's where you are. You're like, but, but, but I thought my life would be here. You know what? You may have thought your situation would be different, but I would just tell you, keep on digging. You may be here and you may be, but I thought my relationships would look so different from now. You thought it would be different, but can I just keep on digging and own the middle? I thought it wouldn't take this long, Justin. I've been waiting years and years and years for the dream to become a reality. Stay where you are, be faithful in where you're at, and keep on digging. Take your small step after small step after small step, even though nobody else is watching, even though nobody else is with you you keep digging. Well, I wasn't expecting this problem and this problem. There's too many rocks in my life. Can I tell you, just keep on digging. Get past one problem and tackle the next problem and realize if God is for me, who can be against me? Have a good attitude. Have a good look out at it and keep on digging with what God wants to do. You may not have the resources. You may not have the tools that you wish you had. You may just have a pickaxe in your hand. Dear God, use what God has given you. Stop whining about what you wish it was and start doing what you can do where you're at and keep on digging and own the middle because that's where your significance is going to come from. You're in the middle of it. Don't you put it off. Don't put off the dream that God, well, I'm going to get to it later. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because when you go back to it later, it's going to be just as hard. It's going to be just as frustrating. Don't, but can I tell you, Debbie and my dad, man, they were frustrated with the prospects that were out there. (laughs) That's why Debbie was like, I I thought every man was a cheater. I thought every, there was no more good guys. My dad was like, there's no woman I want to be with. My dad said this all the time. There's a lot of worse things than being single. He said that before he met Debbie, by the way. Um. It wasn't what they thought. They were had to be tempted to just say, you know what, I'll check out dating later. I'll give up on that dream now. Maybe I'll read. No, 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 it's not going to get any easier. Man, don't despise. Don't dismiss your beginning. Don't minimize it. That's what Satan wants you to do. Don't let the devil talk you out to what God's called you into. The first thing that Goliath, I mean, David and Goliath, when he steps in, we're going to talk about how to handle criticism next week, and so I can't get into this too deep right now. But the first thing, the first thing that happens when David enters the battlefield, the place that God has called David to go into, the battle to fight, the dream to chase, is that Goliath starts ridiculing him. 
and minimizing him and making fun of him. And the enemy will always try to call you out of what God is calling you into. And some of you, you have allowed it to happen too long to put a pause where God is putting a comma and saying, keep going, man. Go. Don't dismiss. Don't minimize your beginning. The second thing I would tell you is this. I love this point, and maybe my favorite point that I've ever made in my entire life. Stop being upset about the should-haves and take up your heifer and own what is. And I'm actually talking about a heifer today. Stop being upset about the should-haves and take up your heifer and own what is. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 10. It's talking about Saul, the king, first king of Israel. And Samuel was the man of God. Samuel was the prophet. He was the run kind of over all of Israel before the Israelites said, if we want a king, we want to be like all the other nations, we want to be a king. And so they said, give us a king, give us a king, give us a king. And Saul is the one that was appointed the first king of Israel. And Samuel was the one in charge of appointing and anointing the king of Israel. And Saul ends up, man, he was this great guy. Go read the Bible in 1 Samuel. Check out Saul's story, especially in the early part. He was humble. When Samuel told him he was going to be king, he's like, I can't be king. I'm the least of my tribe and the least of my people. He was this humble guy who had some incredible God encounters. Go read it. Go read it. And yet it turned bad. And Samuel loved Saul. Samuel liked Saul. And in 1 Samuel 15, verse 10, it says this, And the Lord said to Samuel, I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Samuel's upset because he knows what should have been. He knows the guy Saul should have turned out To be. And it says this in chapter 16, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. And we're going to come back to that. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem and find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Not the people's king, he's my king. But Samuel said, How can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. He says, take a heifer with you. That's a heifer. Um, Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. Going back to verse 1, you have mourned long enough for Saul. Samuel had a case of the should-haves. This should have been different. This should have turned out a different way. It should have not turned out like this. Saul should have been a better king. Samuel had a case of the should-haves. And when you have a case of the should-haves, that is an imprisoning place. Because all you're doing is looking back. 
should have start feeling sorry for themselves, should have start mourning for what should have been instead of what is. But what is, if you can get a hold of what is, it is full of potential. While Samuel was stuck on the Saul, God already had a David. And some of you, you are stuck on your Saul moments of what should have when God has a David moment in store for you. David was his dynasty. Saul was his should have. It should have turned out different. But man, there was a David still in store that God had planned for Israel. And some of you in this place have been mourning for long enough. You've been crying about it. You've been down about it. We talked about last week, what do you do when it doesn't get fixed? Man, it it didn't get fixed. It didn't turn out the way you wanted. You're here divorced and you didn't see yourself being divorced. You're here broken. You didn't see yourself being broke. You're here and your health has failed and you weren't expecting your health to fail. You're here and your relationships aren't what you thought they would be. You're here and you're in a dead-end job. You hate your job. You hate getting up every day and you're saying, my life should have turned out differently. You can get consumed with the should haves, or you can take what you have. You can grab the heifer, you can grab the oil and say, man, this is what should have been, but I'm going to own what is. And what is, is I'm going to step towards my David. I'm going to take what the Lord has given me. I'm going to grab the heifer and the oil, and I'm going to enter his courts with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I'll say this is a day that the Lord has made, and I'm going to step into the destiny that God has for me. Stop looking at your should have song and own your destiny of David that God has for you. Own your moment. Own it. Own what is. Put your big boy pants and your big girl pants on. I understand it's not for your dreams not going to come true easily. There's going to be rocks, but you got to keep digging through what is to see what can be. I saw this displayed this week so well. There was a uh, story of a man named Andre Ingram. Some of you, maybe you, if you're a big basketball guy, you know this story. Andre Ingram has played in the developmental league, also called the G League of the NBA, for, for a decade. He's 32 years old. He's been playing, let's just call it, the, it's the scrub league of the NBA. And he has been playing in it, not for two years, not for five, ten years. He has been the mentor instead of the player. He's been mentoring guys as they come through the LA Lakers system, teaching them how to handle the NBA, teaching them how to develop into a player, but never getting his shot. He has been in the league for 10 years, and yet Tuesday, he got a shot. Tuesday night, Tuesday day, excuse me, Magic Johnson and one of the other executives that nobody knows out of the LA Lakers, everybody knows Magic Johnson. um, They're like, hey, Andre, this is your shot. We're going to have you play as the L.A. Laker Tuesday night versus the Houston Rockets. And he's all smiles, you know, and his family's freaking out when he calls me like, you got to be kidding. And Chris Paul's like, man, I just can't believe this. This is awesome. Before he goes in the game, Chris Paul from the Houston Rockets, the opposing team's like, man, props to you. This is awesome. You've been in the league 10 years. And here's the deal. When he went in, he owned the moment. Why, what happened was he answered the call by scoring 19 points against the best team in the league, the Houston Rockets, while hitting six of eight shots, including four of five three-pointers. Can I tell you, that doesn't happen for Andre Ingram if he's sulking about what is. He developed where he was. 
man, he started shooting and doing what he could with where he was. So that once his moment came, he didn't shrink from it, but he shined in it. And can I tell you, man, you can pout in your corner and you can talk about what should have been just like Andre Ingram could have pouted about the last 10 years, my life should have been in the NBA. Or you can develop where you are instead of being consumed about being discovered. Man, be consumed about being developed into the man and the woman God has called you to be and start thriving where you are so that once the dream is open that much more, you can step in and you can own the moment. But it doesn't happen unless you own where you are right now. It doesn't happen unless you own with what is. It says this in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 through 19. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Forget about the past. Forget about what was. Understand God's doing a new thing. I close today with this poem called Don't Quit by John Greenleaf, Greenleaf Whittier. It says this, when things, don't, when things go wrong as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, and when the funds are low and the debts are, debts are high, and when you want to smile but you have to sigh, when your care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't quit. Life is strange with its twists and turns as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worst that you must not quit. I got to tell you, some of you, you've quit. I'll get to it later. No, you've quit. Don't quit. I love what Mark Batterson says. He says, many of us, we overestimate what God can do in a year and we underestimate what God can do in a decade. You may have had a timing. I had a timing for that French drain and it did not work out. You have a timing in your dream of the win. And I got to tell you, for me, I struggle with God's timing more than I do his ways. When's it going to happen, God? When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. All I know is what God has called me to do. And it's to be faithful with where I'm at. To not quit but to keep digging, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's hard, even when you're tired. Don't quit. Own your moment. Own what is. And forget about what was and what should have been because God has a David moment for you if you let go of the Saul should have. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, there's... there's, so many times that, that we stop in the meantime moment. God, the, the period of time between events. God, in the meantime, 
is the developing time. And the meantime is the character shaping time. Is the meantime is when the patience is growing. Lord Jesus, it, it was in the meantime that Moses was in the wilderness that 40 years of being in the wilderness alone, watching his father's sheep, you were developing Moses into who he was going to be. It was a lonely time, but it was his meantime. You appeared to Moses in a burning bush by himself. It was a meantime moment. And God, I pray that we would not skip past our meantime moment. It may not be fun. It may not be that we're being discovered or people are noticing us. But Lord, more importantly, you're developing us. And so, Lord, I pray we forget the former things. Lord, where we messed up, where others messed us up, where we thought we should have been. Lord, I pray that we would take what we have, be it an oil and a heifer, may, may just be our talents and the resources we do have, and I pray that we would own what is. God, we would, it may be a small step, it may be a minute step that nobody else knows about, nobody, but God, you see, and you delight to see the work begin. God, because it's the obedience that it takes to take the small and significant step. But Lord, if we'll be faithful in that, we'll be faithful in the big ones that you ask us to do. And so this morning, I pray that in this place there would be a rebirthing of passion, a rebirthing of dreams you have for us and that God you would move you would reawaken the dream in us and God that we would dream on and we would dream big Lord I love you and I thank you for it it's in Jesus name I pray with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning if you're here and you say Justin I'm here and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior we want to give you that chance This morning, if you're here, maybe you've just drifted away. You say, man, I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to change that. We want to lead you in a prayer that will recommit your life to him and you can come back home. So I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. We're not going to make you stand up. We're not going to lead you into another room. We're just going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here this morning? You say, Justin, that's me. Man, that's me. Yeah, I see your hand. I see your hand. There's two, there's three, there's four, there's five. Is there anyone else you say, Justin, that's me? I want to join these five hands that are lifted before we go any further in service. You say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? Yeah, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? I see your hand. Is there anyone else? Yeah, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? You join these eight or nine hands before we go any further in service. You say, Justin, that's me. And if you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me. And mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. I just confess that I've sinned. That I've messed up. But I ask for your forgiveness. God, I realize you're chasing after me. And I just surrender. I ask that your grace and love would enter my life. I turn from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these nine individuals a a huge round of applause? Yeah.
Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.